0: Hello, welcome to Hope on the Rise. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, and we are very, very excited today. We have a very special guest. Uh, His name is Doug Clay. He's the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And like many of our episodes where there's interviews, uh, our co-host Bob Roden has a very special relationship. So we're focused on hope, but we're also uh, just having a conversation among friends. So Bob, that's all I got. I, I wanna make sure we have enough time. Why don't you take it away from here?
1: Hey, thanks, Peter. It's great to see you again. And uh Doug, welcome to the uh Hope on the Rise podcast today. I wanna uh, along with Peter say thanks for being willing to do this today. We've been we've been friends for uh probably twenty years, thirty years or so now with uh and uh it all started back when you were a superintendent of Ohio and uh, I had known about you before then because you were national youth director of the assemblies of god prior to that a pastor but our relationship began when i was superintendent of the potomac district and and you were elected superintendent of ohio and i remember you calling me and we started chatting and you said hey i want to just come out and hang out in a meeting and then and then you invited me to come to your first big statewide meeting and you said hey just come and observe and uh well, you're, you're just a different kind of guy, Doug. You're always reaching out for friends, and I can't thank you enough for the friendship we've had. But uh, why don't you talk just a little bit about what it was like to step into that role and then uh, for for our friendship to begin that way.
2: Yeah, thanks, Dr. Roden, and, or excuse me, Bob, or H. Yeah, just I Bob. <laughs> to you. But um, I was in my late 30s when I became the overseer of Ohio And a mutual friend said, you ought to connect with Bob Roden. And I had known of you and your reputation. So I did. And as so much a part of who you are, you welcomed yourself uh, to me. And I came out and observed a, a presbytery meeting a district council. So then I asked, I said, hey, would you mentor me? Would you walk me through my first year of being a superintendent? And you graciously said yes, came out and audited the first district council. And I'll never forget, you said, now, how strategic do you want this relationship to be? Do you want it to just be all affirming or would you? I said, no, no, I want you to. And at that moment, you pulled out a yellow eight and a half by 11 legal pad. And I think there were about 22 notes just totally filled. He said, the first thing I'd like you to know is, your district council's still in session. I'm thinking, man, we sang the doxology. This was great. No fights on the floor. He said, "You never called for an adjournment, so you're still in session." I'm like, "Oh my word!" But um, can I tell you, those 22 pages of notes were a lifeline to me, and that started on both a professional and a personal relationship journey. And and I think I think one of my takeaways, uh, Bob, is that. I'm very, I'm excited that the next generation has a culture of honor uh that's very evident. Um The older, I think a younger generation honors the older generation, maybe a little more effectively than the older generation honors the younger generation. But you broke that mold and continue to break that mold. And so I want to thank you for not only uh, welcoming your friendship, but investing in that friendship, to me, both professionally and personally.
1: Oh, Doug, it's been so uh, so uh, mutual in terms of what I've learned from you and Gabe. I I will remember those days when you and I met with other new superintendents and we did orientation for them and talked with them. Just uh, we we learned from each other, and uh, you know that's the thing about friendship. You learn to trust each other. Uh, you, uh, you walked together through so many places and uh, now God has uh, placed you in a, in a strategic role here as the, as the leader of the Assemblies of God. And uh, the, um. but you know, there were some things that prepared you for this along the way. I mean, you have, you were our national youth director, you served as our general treasurer. But, uh, but aside from that, just in your personal life, Doug, I know that when you were a teenager, your dad suddenly passed away. Would you... Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how you got through that as a teenager. What were some things that helped you? Your dad was a pastor. You grew up in a pastor's home. What are, what are some things that helped you to get through that, that
2: situation? Yeah. You know, actually, Bob, I was nine years old when my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack. He was only 40 years of age. And I think today one of the reasons why I have such a love and affection for the local church And I bring that love and affection to the local church, even in this office, is because I was raised uh, by the local church. Uh, Long before spiritual fathering was a popular expression, say, in certain apostolic cultures, I really experienced it. I experienced it through Royal Ranger commanders who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car, youth sponsors that would take me to Detroit Tiger baseball games. So I'm the product of a healthy local church where there were spiritual dads who helped uh, shape my biblical worldview, who helped nurture uh, the calling uh, that was on my life. And that's why today I want to give myself back just fully and wholly to the local church. And, And of course, I had a wonderful mom who at the age of 40, all of a sudden had double duty. And today at age 92, she is still trucking for jesus she's very active we talk every day and she really didn't want me to take this job she said oh honey you're going to lose touch with people you're going to become a fat cat administrator and not have the anointing on you are you sure this is what you want to do and and uh but but uh she is uh, my biggest supporter and so i thank the lord uh both for local church for family. And for relationships, you said it. You know, Bob, in the ministry, um, friendships, life-giving friendships, they're not optional. They're very essential. Um, You can get options when it comes to your car choices on heated seats or a moonroof. But when it comes to friendships um, and spiritual leadership, they are very, very essential and uh, I I draw on those uh, friendships and relationships
0: even today. No. Doug, and I, I want to uh, jump in. Well, so oh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> Doug, I I want to no, jump I just, in.
1: That's uh, evident in everything he does.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I kind of want to jump in because with your father passing away um, and being a pastor, then you became a pastor. Um, was there ever a time that you basically said, "Hey, I"? I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, why can't I do something else? Maybe become a dentist. Um, and then on top of that, like there, there is a holy drive and ambition of you know being a younger superintendent in their 30s, going to the national office. And I guess if you were to go back to your 25 year old self when you're first starting ministry. And you've processed all of what happened to you, how you've landed. You know, what might you say about just where you are today? How would you have encouraged you? How would you have pushed you? What would you have said to your 25-year-old self?
2: Yeah, Peter, that's a very insightful and uh, a great question. Um, I think if I were talking to my 25-year-old self, I would... Want me to really distinguish between calling and assignment? Um, I'm called for life, but my assignments have shelf lives. Mm. And one of the things I've noticed about a builder and even a boomer generation is they hang on at a place of their calling sometimes maybe too long, and then it mortgages the future vitality of that ministry because they're they're hanging on too long rather than understanding. We have assignments, but the calling is for a lifetime. And um, um, I, I would really want to impart that. I think the second thing I would want to do is, is tell myself um, kind of what David said, how to encourage myself in the Lord. I, I think that discouragement is one of the primary weapons that the enemy uses uh, against ministers. So to your question, was there ever a time Boy, fifty percent of the time, I would drive home after a Sunday and think, "Am I really the right hand and glove fit?" And boy, that message just felt like it bombed and all of that. And and so you know, but I, I think I think that's the enemy. And uh, now you know, a few years down line, and and setting this role, here's what I can tell you: discouragement and doubt has killed more ministry dreams than moral failures. So I think. Uh, soul care and friendships that encourage you, not just in your calling, but your assignment, become really, really important for sustainability and longevity and, and missional effectiveness.
1: Mm. How insightful is that?
2: Wow.
1: Awesome. There, I, I'm just sort of processing all of that right now that you just said, Doug, that was uh, was really, really some terrific uh, insight into and how to move forward? You're really talking about making sure that your immune, your spiritual immune system, is healthy, so that it can fight off the 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 germs of discouragement that come, and the other other enemies that come to our uh, to our soul. Well, you know, let me just ask. Um, you know, we have lots of things going on in the church today. We live in a chaotic world. We live in a world a, a world that's that's really affected so much by our culture. And uh would you just talk for a little bit as as the leader of a of a of a just a major, major spiritual force in this world? I mean the assemblies of God is a growing vibrant uh church. And uh talk a little bit about what you see for two thousand and twenty-four and maybe what's in your heart uh, for the for the for the church. And if you'd also maybe talk a little bit about the how the the Assemblies of God is made up, I mean it's, it's a really uh, an amazing uh, organization or church. And I uh, just talk about that, but Doug, right now, I'm, I'm just I'd love to hear from you.
2: Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll start with the end and just kind of define the Assemblies of God. We're uh, uh, we're 109 years old as a Pentecostal Evangelical Fellowship. Um, Our ethos, really within our beginnings, was to have a global footprint, and that's very evident. In fact, when you call yourself Assembly of God, 95% of us resides outside of the United States. And uh, we really are a global family, a global network, and that's exciting. As it relates to the Assemblies of God USA, where it all started, about 13,000 churches, 3.3 million adherents, Um, I'm thankful that in the Assemblies of God, uh, I don't have to wrestle with what some of my um, fraternal bishops and overseers have to. uh, um, You come to a general council, it looks and feels young. In fact, the average age of an attender in Assembly of God USA Church is 35. And I credit people Like you, Bob, and your generation that made space, you made place, you gave opportunity for young people. Uh, your generation viewed, uh, students not so much the church of tomorrow, but very much the church of today. So I'm benefiting for, from leaders like you that opened the door, uh, for young people to have seats and positions of leadership. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that, uh, um, Uh, We've identified and recognized women in both leadership and ministry. Uh, 26% of our credentialed ministers are female. Um, Even at the highest level, our executive leadership team, our general secretary is a female. And not just because of her gender, but spiritual maturity and eldership have have created an opportunity for that. So... You know, I'm really um, uh, just grateful. I I think another stat, sometimes people don't fully understand about the Assemblies of God is our ethnic diversity. Our census reflects that we are 46% ethnic minority. That means we only have to grow by 4% to say we have no ethnic majority. And uh, I, I love that. Not just for representation, but I love it because it really reflects who we are as a culture. And uh, I, I certainly am enjoying the foundations and the structures that um, persons of your generation did and had the foresight to, uh, to see and open those doors so that we could uh, walk in that reality today. You know, you asked about the church. Uh, boy, Bob, you're right. I, I, I would boil it down to this. Culture demands that we have healthy, life-giving churches today. I mean, when you think of all the cultural shifts that have taken place um, in society just the past five years, uh, the social culture, the political culture, the family culture, the, even the religious culture, the educational culture, all of those shifts that have moved away uh, from a biblical worldview. And I think we see the consequences of that in, in, in each of those mm-hmm. um, pillars of society. So so culture demands that uh, uh, a life-giving, healthy church be in place. That's, that's why in the Assemblies of God, we're driven by seeing a healthy church in every community that's marked by spiritual and numerical growth. Uh, I also think that the church biblically is God's primary agency that he uses to expand his kingdom here on earth. Uh, there's a lot of great ministries, there's a lot of great, but the, the church, the church is that that primary instrument, if I can. So, so in the Assemblies of God, we're very church-focused, church-centric. We believe, um, and I don't know who to credit with the, the quote of that, but it, the church really is the, the hope of transformation, the hope of our culture and so, uh, although they are challenging, there, there are cultural things that are challenging for the church today, there's never been a greater opportunity uh, for the church to be in business. And after all, I've not heard a trumpet blast yet. So that tells me
0: the church is still in business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Doug, Peter, I want to come back. Here? Oh, go i. I just want to come back to what you said about assignment and calling. Um, Obviously, you have a ton of hope for the next generation. Um, We're not rushing you, um, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, when your assignment comes to an end, what's one or two things that God has really put on your heart that you're hoping for are done when your assignment as general superintendent is uh, complete?
2: Yeah, great question, Peter. Um, I want when my assignment is done for the next generation or next administration to not have to undo a lot of personal preferences in order to become missionally effective. So our leadership team has been committed to this. We're not going to kick the can down the road. Oftentimes in spiritual leadership, you, uh, you kick the can down the road. You, well, let's let the next administration do that. You know, I, I believe it's possible to have a dream so big that your generation doesn't fulfill it but the next generation does. Mm-hmm. So, I've kind of committed myself to that that um uh, I want to make sure that from um f- from policy to administration to to decisions that we make it's not just for our personal preferences but it sets up the next generation to really come in um, to some growth and health and effectiveness and not have to take four or five years just to undo. Well, that was that was Clay's style, but that wasn't necessarily missionally effective. Does that make sense?
0: It does. You know, growing up in uh, Binghamton, New York, I remember Bill Kirk, who was the assistant superintendent in New York, he did all these projects like the roof, the heaters, And like all of those, thankless, you could push the can down the road, but he was really setting up Brandon Samuel, as next pastor of the church. And so I I think younger generations, they appreciate that. It's not always the fun work that everybody sees.
2: Well, Bob's generation opened the door for um, youthfulness and leadership, women in the ministry. I think my generation is going to have to be attuned to, okay, how do we steward artificial intelligence? Mm. How do we do the micro church? How do we handle church online? So I think there are, it's not just in administration and look, but it is, it's contextualizing culture and then being able to indoctrinate or in a, a sort of engage in culture to become effective. And so, um, uh, I, I think that requires uh, a lot of uh, men of Issachar kind of understanding the times, responding to that. So I, I feel a, a strong burden to be able uh, to do that. And uh, yeah. Hmm.
1: And you know, with the emphasis in uh, our generation on experience, I think it's a perfect setup for, for the Assemblies of God Church because we place a lot of value on personal experience, for instance, the the whole uh, pneumatology that we have, the the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of presence, and it's about how God's presence in our life brings brings an experience that's unparalleled. And we always find that our experience and our information are intersecting as we move along. And that's i uh, am I'm I'm with you, Doug. I'm hopeful about the next uh, you know the future and what God is going to do as we move along. It's and and as we embrace values, you, you're a person that's embraced uh, values that can be passed along. You know the the values and the mission of the church remain the same, but but vision and goals change. Uh, but but those values that we incarnate and uh, and what we what we see as our mission, which is to you know reaching every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that carries on. From administration to administration, from pastor to pastor congregations, so it's it's critical that yeah. we that we are certain about our mission and our values, and then our 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 goals and our vision can change as as we're moving along and that's uh that's what each each person can then uh, set goals or set vision depending on what's happening at the time in culture, and you have incarnated that so well as a in your leadership uh and, and and if led by that example. And I I love the way you connect with our next gen people in the in the assemblies of God. Wherever I go, they uh, they have good things to say about you and say, hey, we've we like to we like the way Doug Clay thinks and how he's willing to talk with us. So kudos to you for for really carrying on uh the, uh, the mission and values you know, thank you, into Bob, the next generation. Peter,
2: I'll go back and maybe flesh out another example of uh, of this. Um, we recently hired a, what we're calling a resident theologian. Uh, let me explain that. Um, Bob's generation did very well in helping us legally adopt to the times and protect ourselves. So the Richard Hammer, and we have legal counsel uh, to help us in these days. When I became general superintendent, I have to tell you, there were theological issues that were putting stress on the church, pastors needing answers to some some theological issues. So, in the fall, or excuse me, late summer, we hired Dr. Alan Tennyson as our theological counsel. And the first point of his job description is this to raise the theological maturity level of our fellowship. And, um, I'm seeing that play great, great dividends as we walk into times that um, biblical answers to some cultural issues, biblical uh, cultural stresses that a church needs. And uh, just like we have good, solid legal counsel, I'm seeing the need to have theological counsel. So I think that's one of those decisions that'll set up that next administration. Mm. They'll go, man, he was thoughtful on that one. Thanks for that. That would be a uh, sort of a practical example.
0: Well, before we let you go, because you open the door, let, let's have some fun with AI for a second. Um, I think on one hand, um, there's fear of how much information is out there. But on the other hand, uh, there's opportunity. So, you know, as a pastor, you know, you have to write the end of the year giving letter. It's kind of nice to go to chat GPT and get something started. So, uh, why don't you let our listeners in? How are you navigating that with all the generations at the table and trying to not just navigate the tool, but the fears and the concerns, but also stay true to God's word?
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to having a good understanding of morality of knowledge. You, you, you know, knowledge is powerful, but there's, there's got to be a morality that stewards uh, you think of that uh, uh, nuclear when uh, when 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 nuclear was developed, nuclear physics to use it, it's wonderful things of an enemy country. Nuclear is destructive, so I I think knowledge in and of itself is is not evil, is not bad, but but we have to steward it with a sense of morality. So hmm. I, I, I encourage um the church i encourage leaders don't be afraid but make sure morality is guiding the way in which you use that and not superseding um biblical absolutes that all humans are created in the image of god that 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 man has fallen and needs a savior so so making sure that that knowledge doesn't erode the real core evangelical beliefs that we have. Mm. Uh, uh,
1: So good. Thank you for uh, weighing in on that, uh, Doug. Well, we're going to wind up here, but I just want to, Peter, any final thing you'd like to ask or say before we uh, wind up? And then I'm going to turn to Doug Lockwise and we'll have a prayer as we close.
0: Uh, Doug, real quick. um, You might not have a great answer for this, but you grew up in Michigan. and You served as a DYD in Ohio. Is it the school up north or Buckeye? How did you navigate that? <laughs> you know,
2: time doesn't, time doesn't allow me to t- tell my story, but I'm a Big Ten fan. Uh, I do root for the Buckeyes, but there was a progression of coming into that. I'll leave that there for maybe another, another podcast with the theme, he went into the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me.
0: That's pastoring right there. It's all good.
1: Oh. Doug, any final thing that you'd like to just say? Any maybe any little story that you've wanted to tell, or anything about a church, or just in general that you want to say before we wind up here?
2: You know, no, Bob. There, there, there's a lot of great spiritual life activity happening in assemblies of God churches today. That's not just tied uh, to one revival, not just tied to a Brownsville or a Toronto. I'm, I'm encouraged by a lot of just healthy. Spirit inspired spiritual life activity taking place. So I I, I really am. Um, I'm going to go back and conclude my remarks by answering an, another way of Peter's question. What would you say to the 25 year old Doug um, now that you're 60? Uh, and I think I would I would say this. I would I would also understand the value of stewarding energy versus just managing time. Mm. You know, when I was in college, I got into all of the Stephen Covey stuff. I had my Franklin day planner, do it now, do it daily, and and give it an A1, A2 and prioritize. And if it was a new day planner, I bought it. If it was a new day timer, I bought it. But uh, the older I get, I I see the value of being able to steward energy more than manage time. Uh, Because, When you get into roles where you have multiple responsibilities, I think it's incumbent upon you to say, which responsibility demands some of your your best energy? (laughs) What what can you do functionally that doesn't demand high creativity? And, And so I wished I would have had that kind of understanding that I'm trying to learn now and continuing to learn that value of stewarding energy, not just managing time.
1: Uh, well, I want to uh, just uh, go back and bring uh, bring forth uh, something we talked about a couple of months ago, and uh, you know when they had the Asbury outpouring in February, I, I we interviewed uh, Dr. Kevin Brown, who was the who's Asbury president, and uh, in my research about that, I learned that the the mayor of Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, who is uh, Harold Rainwater, is the longest standing mayor. In in any city in Kentucky, his grandfather was brought to Asbury years ago uh, to work, and he had two jobs. He was to keep the coal in the fire so the place was warm, and he was to ring the bell at certain times that was designated. So the mantra, he said, I have two jobs, build the fire, ring the bell. I think that's a good mantra for all of us. We need to yeah. build a fire, keep the flame going. Paul said, fan in the flame, the gift of God that's in you, said that Timothy. And then Paul said that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we build a fire, we ring the bell and whatever we do, and that'll carry us into the next generation for sure. Thanks again, Doug, for being with us today. This has been awesome to have you uh, invest your time. I know that all of our listeners will benefit from this podcast. Thank you again, Peter, for your insightful questions. And let's have a prayer before we uh, wind up here, okay?
0: Mm.
1: Lord, thank you that we can trust you. You're a sovereign guide. And we thank you, Lord, for the assignments that you've given us. Thank you for the joy of serving you. It's a joy to be able to say that our life has exceeded our dreams. And we look forward to the future with hope for all that you want to provide. I pray today for Doug as he leads the Assemblies of God. Would you keep that magnet in his heart so he's always drawn to you and compass in his head and so he thinks right. Keep his energy level strong as the the presence of the Holy Spirit guides and leads him. And as he honors Christ in everything that he does, we pray for his family and for all that's involved in his leadership, not only in his family, but in the family of the Assemblies of God. And so now we commit him to your grace and mercy. We pray for your favor to be upon him. Establish the work of his hands and we'll thank you for it. And Lord, we give our lives to you again today. We recognize that we belong to you and we thank you for your grace and mercy and love. And we receive your divine help this day And thank you that we can have hope for the future. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more about Hope on the Rise at BobRodin.com. You can also uh, share this episode, and then there's a giving link there to continue to support this ministry. Thank you so much for joining us.